present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us today in Leeds, the fine Yorkshire city that boasts a rich history. By the 13th century, Leeds had grown to become the largest wool producer in England, and the prosperity of the town was based solely on all things woolen. Consequently, the population soared from a few hundred to over 6,000, at which point loose-knit condoms fell out of favour. <laughs> During the Civil War, Charles I was a fugitive here and stayed at the King's Head for threepence a night. Over a century later, when Lord Nelson visited, he stayed at the Admiral's Rest for half a guinea while Lady Hamilton lodged at the Whippet Inn for sixpence. <laughs> Wool production in Leeds only began to lose prominence with the Industrial Revolution. As industry grew, the Leeds to Liverpool Canal was constructed. This was opened in 1816 in great ceremony by the two city mayors, although it's recorded that the mayor of Liverpool stole the show. <laughs> we are today at Leeds' magnificent Grand Theatre and Opera House in its 125th anniversary year. So it's only appropriate that we should be honoured by the presence of some of the greatest comedians in the country. How nice to see the Board of Leeds United in the audience. <laughs> and I hope they enjoy the teams who are on my left, Barry Cryer and Graham Garden. And on my right, Tim Brooke-Taylor and Ross Noble. And please welcome the lady who slips her legs under the desk and lays out her score books before opening them for the evening. <laughs> the ever delightful Samantha. Our first round is designed to improve our understanding of English vocabulary as there are still those who are uncertain which word to use on what occasion. For example, many ignorant souls don't fully appreciate the fine distinction between deficient and defective. Well, deficient indicates being incomplete, imperfect or faulty, while defective is one rank below superintendent. <laughs> but meanings of words are constantly changing, team, so I'd like you to share with us some new definitions you may have spotted recently. Ross, will you start, please? Dandelion, a big camp cat. <laughs> Tim. Suffocation, a week in Lowestoft. <laughs> Barry. E by gum, drugs taken orally in Yorkshire. Graham. <laughs> Fairy tale, beer made from ferrets. <laughs> Logarithm, 
Lumberjack's contraceptive. <laughs> Archery. Lying. <laughs> Cantaloupe. Unable to run off and get married. <laughs> Macadam, a Scottish brothel keeper. <laughs> Circumspect. Spotted dick. <laughs> Lupine, an air freshener. <laughs> Tentative. Not sure about camping. <laughs> Slippery. A bit like a slipper. <laughs> Scum. It has arrived. Harley Quinn, one of a set of five motorbikes. <laughs> Fuselage, not many that big. <laughs> Aromatic, a handy gadget used by Robin Hood. <laughs> Bollocks. Unsuccessful Botox. <laughs> OK, the teams are going to sing along now with some well-known discs in the round called Pick Up Song. As usual, Samantha has been down in the gramophone library researching the team's records, aided and abetted by the two kindly old archivists, Curly Smith and Chalky White. Samantha was saying she's been helping them rearrange their work rosters recently. Chalky was getting a bit worried that Samantha might reduce his overtime shift, but cheered up when instead he saw her short and curlies. back behind the record deck in DJ mode and ready to give the discs a spin. You should sing along, teams, and continue until, at my signal, Samantha fades the music out. If on its return you're within a cheesy quaver of the original, I'll be awarding points, and points mean prizes. <laughs> Hello, playmates. <laughs> All the topicals. <laughs> This week's prize is one to be treasured by every member of Al-Qaeda who's also a fan of the game show 321. <laughs> it's this life-side Dusty Bin Laden. <laughs> right, we'll start with you, Barry. Would you please accompany Chuck Berry singing Johnny B. Good? Who never ever learned to read or write so well But he could play the guitar just like ringing a bell Go, go Go, Johnny, go, go Go, Johnny, go, go Go, Johnny, go, go Go, Johnny, go, go. go. 
Thank you for giving me the clap. <laughs> you now, Graham, would you please accompany Simon and Garfunkel singing the 59th Street Bridge song, better known as Feeling Groovy. Slow down, you move too fast. You gotta make the morning last. Just keeping down the cobblestones, looking for fun and feeling groovy. Pa pa da 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 da, feeling groovy. Hello, lamppost, what you knowing? I come to watch your flowers growing. Ain't you got no rhymes for me? Do 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 do, feeling groovy. And finally, we have a duet for you, Tim and Ross. Would you please accompany Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warnes singing <laughs> Up Where We Belong? But we climb a step every day. Love lifts us up where we belong. Where the eagles cry on a mountain That went off very well. <laughs> Let's move on. Hang on, I read that wrong. That went off. <laughs> very well. Let's move on. <laughs> the teams are going to display their acting skills now in the round called Sound Charades. This is based on the old TV favourite Give Us a Clue, where teams mime the titles of songs, books or films. In the original, the players weren't allowed to speak, making the show highly entertaining. In our version, there's one obvious modification, and also the teams are allowed to speak. <laughs> the undisputed expert's expert was Lionel Blair, who was particularly good at Mickey Mouse cartoons. However, he occasionally had to save the day when he was let down by his team. Eunice Stubbs still recalls how amazed she was when Christopher Biggins failed miserably with Fantasia, and Lionel was straight in behind him with his steamboat willy. <laughs> Tim and Ross, will you start, please? And your title will shortly be displayed to the audience via the laser display screen, while for listeners at home, here's the mystery voice. 
Dances with wolves. Dances with wolves. Right, you're guessing this one, Barry and Graham. Off you go, Tim it's, and Ross. It's, it's three words, it's a film, and it goes something like this. All right, mate, how's it going? Yeah, you're right there. Are you uh, doing all right, are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, right, right stuff, yeah. I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you what, I love coming to see the Wanderers play, don't you? Know? you? I, I love it. Right, too wide, you like. Oh, well, I, I shouldn't boast, mate, but uh, one of my mates, uh, he's, uh, he's in the squad, to be honest with well, you. What does he do, then? What does I'll he do? I speak a bit like this, cos I've, I've lived abroad quite oh, a bit. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't we first meet in uh, South Africa? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Many, many years ago. Now, you, now, now you've got me doing it as well. What is the matter? <laughs> Tell us about your mate, then. He, um, he's in the squad, that's right. He's, he's, in, he's, he's in the squad. What does he, what does he uh, do? He, 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 does, uh, he does the rumba. And sometimes, uh, sometimes a cha-cha-cha. Really? And occasionally a nice little jig. It's yeah. unbelievable. Why yes. does he do that on the right wing, or where does he do that? It's all over the place. Sometimes he does it in a line, backwards and forwards. What's his name? Uh, John. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's called John, and he's got a friend called Barry. Really? That's right. <laughs> John Barry did the music for Dancing with Wolves. I think that was a reference too far, to be honest. <laughs> I thought you were talking about a rugby player, Barry John. <laughs> no. That will do you. Was it 55 days to Peking? <laughs> it's not a specific dance. It's, it's dances. Dances. Dances with wolves. With wolves! Yeah. Okay, you get an extra mark for you, uh, Ross, for giving away the title of the <laughs> thereby putting us out of our misery. <laughs> right, your, your turn, Barry and Graham. Your title's now being exhibited on the laser display board, and here again is the mystery voice for listeners at home. The Pelican Brief. The Pelican Brief. This is a book. Book. Uh, and a film. And a film. Sure. That's three words. Three yes. words. Yes. And it goes a bit like this. A bit like this. Uh, good morning. Good morning, sir. Um, I'd like to try on a pair of underpants, please. <laughs> yes, so I see. <laughs> might, uh, might I recommend something in our novelty range? <laughs> oh, I say. Looks very lifelike. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Uh, comfy? Well, oh, dear. Forward section seems unduly voluminous. <laughs> oh, so he's being too modest. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, be fair, I could get a dozen haddock in here. <laughs> Hence the name, sir. Ah, now it all falls into place. <laughs> Could it be Brief Encounter? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Large wife fronts, large briefs, large... Yes, you were here and you steered off again. Oh, it's, um, uh, The Devil's Own. (laughs) The Pelican Brief. 
Yeah. Okay, it's now time to play the game called Mornington Crescent. But first, I noticed from the listener reaction mailbox that we've received no correspondence at all this week. Except for this letter from (laughs) Mrs. Trellis of North Wales. She writes, Dear Mr. Sainsbury, Please pass this message on to your checkout staff. No, I haven't got a bloody loyalty card. Yours sincerely, Mrs. Trellis. And on with the round, which just happens to be Ross Noble's first ever game of Mornington Crescent. Now, as a complete novice with no world ranking, Ross is every bit as qualified as the other three. But to make things simple, we'll restrict the playing area to congestion charge zone only. And teams, it might be helpful, and in the spirit of fair play, if you were to each explain your moves to Ross. Okay? Graham, will you start, please? Okay. Um... Explain what we're doing. Well, a traditional opener, like the uh, King's Pawn, really. Um, Oxford Circus, well in the zone, and that gives you limited access to Northern Parallels, but I suppose it is technically laying an offside trap there. <laughs> force the next player into nip if he's not very careful. So Oxford Circus I'm playing. Yeah, that's... So I have to go Vauxhall. Uh, yeah. Basically, things have changed slightly um, since the Millennium Bridge was put there. So you can back double. So it's basically a reverse move. That's why I say Vauxhall. Uh, hang on. Is that? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah. It's all right. I can it's repeat right. it again if it helps. There's no rush. No. <laughs> so it was Vauxhall. Now, Ross, I'm going Regent Street because that is bridging... Oxford Circus and Piccadilly Circus. So it's an absolute, definitive lateral, (laughs) which you can reverse on. You can. You can reverse on if the the situation's Mm. right. So you've got a double value. So it's it's a bridger. It's a lateral. Very useful one early on. Best of luck, lad. So that was lateral. Um, uh, can I do that? <laughs> Not during the show. No. <laughs> Take your time, son. It's all right. Mornington Crescent. Okay, we move on to an educational round now with scientific notes and queries. This is our tribute to the erstwhile popular TV show Tomorrow's World, whose presenters prided themselves on predicting every future event of interest, except obviously for the show getting binned. Okay, teams, I have here a selection of scientific queries sent in by listeners to which I'd like you to provide solutions. Obviously the one about how much finely ground glass one has to put in a casserole to dispatch a man of average build won't be answered, so apologies to a Mr. G. Brown of Westminster. (laughs) 
And, of course, after the team's uh, suggestions, I'll give the right answers, assuming that they've got them wrong. Right, we'll start with you, Tim. Can you answer this question, please? Why don't dogs need glasses? <laughs> because they can drink straight from the toilet bowl. <laughs> The answer is because for most non-human mammals, the ocular refraction for optimal distance vision tends strongly towards emetropia, or perfect vision. And now the weather. <laughs> Barry. Yes. What would you say to this theoretical question? If I were to put my wife in a perfectly sealed room, how much plant life would I need in that room in order to maintain a balance of oxygen and carbon dioxide such that my wife and my beloved plants continue to live? Someone keep him talking, I'll ring the police. <laughs> the correspondent could supply his wife's meals through an airtight hatch. The plants would then only need to provide her oxygen. If she spent all her time eating and dozing, she would need about 350 litres of oxygen per day. This much oxygen is... God, this is boring. This... <laughs> This much, this much oxygen is produced in full sunlight by typical vegetation covering a floor size of between 5 and 20 square meters. Good God. <laughs> Ross, how about this? <laughs> I have a large bust and consequently always wear a bra. <laughs> Nurse, the screams. <laughs> I have a... I have a large bust and consequently always wear a bra for support. If I was flying in space, would I no longer require my bra? <laughs> now, honestly, I want to know the answer. <laughs> if I was flying in space, would I no longer require my bra? And if not, what shape would my to answer that, or should we just leave it there? <laughs> if not, what shape would my breasts assume? I think that um, the brassiere is optional, um, but I would avoid wearing uh, brightly coloured, luminous clothing, or you might end up looking like a bit of a lava lamp. The answer says the correspondent would probably be grateful for the use of a bra at blast-off and re-entry. <laughs> I've noticed this. Though she wouldn't need a bra at zero gravity. <laughs> Please tell me you've got a video of this. Finally, Graham, how about this one? Is it true that men think about sex every eight seconds? Uh, actually, that's a complete fallacy. <laughs> There's a woman down here who said yes. How do you know? I Look was miles away. Next to her. <laughs> well, the, the answer is that it's never been formally proved, so that's not really an answer at all. 
It's very nearly the end of the show. Well, it is an answer. It's good. Why? Well, but it's saying it hasn't been proved, so... It's not an answer. It's just a, a, It's like everything you read in the papers nowadays. Speculation. <laughs> they interrupted my programme on Radio 2 once to say that the uh, meeting between the Prime Minister and the President of wherever it was <laughs> was still going on. very nearly the end of the show, but there's still time... Yeah, there's still time to squeeze in a round of Builder's Book Club. Samantha tells me she has to nip off now. She has a meeting with a builder who gave her the lowest estimate for some work. She says she was pleased to see his tender one, but was, st <laughs> but was startled when it suddenly grew to twice the size. So, teams, while she's away, I'd like you please to suggest titles of books likely to appeal to a readership drawn from the building trade. Tim, will you start, please? A Dictionary of Ludicrous Quotations. <laughs> no. Friday night and Saturday morning, but it could be Monday. Ross. To Drill a Mockingbird. Oliver Twist of Lemon in that sea and 14 sugars love. <laughs> Grout expectations. David Copperpipe. Gone with the windows. Very interesting book about builders' low-slung jeans. It's entitled Men Are From Mars and Women Can Nearly See Uranus. <laughs> The Count of Monty Jigsaw. <laughs> the Invisible Man. <laughs> Catch two but two. <laughs> the Carpet Buggers. <laughs> Ulysses is in about a week by James Joyce. The road to Wigan Pier's been resurfaced, but we've got a bit of tarmac left over. And <laughs> Angela's Ashfelt. Schindler's Loft. Spanner Karenina. Twenty thousand leaks under the sink. The Joy of Flex. <laughs> and so, ladies and gentlemen, as the guardsman of time strokes the bare skin of eternity and the sergeant major of fate orders him back to the barracks to put some clothes on, <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show. So from the teams, Samantha, myself and the fine folk of Leeds, it's goodbye. Barry Pryor, Graham Garden, Timbrook Taylor and Ross Noble will be given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton with Colin Sell setting some of them to music.